0: Hello, and welcome to the There's More podcast. I'm Karen. And I'm Rachel. And we are helping women to dream bigger, pray bolder,
1: and live empowered. Oh my goodness. We are being joined by Bill Vanderbush today. He is the author of Reckless Grace. He's a kind of itinerant minister. He travels all over the country, all over the world. But I'm telling you, this conversation This is a repeater, like a repeater, repeater. (laughs) Halfway through it, you'll be backing up and going back over I mean, I was like, what is happening here? And y'all, He gives revelation around the wineskin that neither one of us had ever heard. And just what we need in this season is just grace. It is just absolutely intimacy, oneness, union and rest and and just more grace. I mean, he is the author of Reckless Grace and that book is I would say one that you are going to most definitely want to read when this is over. So, welcome to the There's More podcast.
0: Welcome Bill Vanderbush to the podcast. We are so excited Thank to you. have you on There's More. Uh, we would love to just hear a little bit from you, Bill. Just introduce kind of our audience to who you are that they may not know you. Um, we would just love to just start with that. With that.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's super just amazing to me to to get a chance to talk to great, anybody about grace, it's just the goodness of God, the fresh revelation, the kingdom, the new covenant, the reality is of uh, uh, of the fact that by His doing we are in Christ. So we agree. All of that, all <laughs> of that came came kind of to a head for me about a decade or so ago. Um I was an Assembly of God pastor for a dozen years. Grew up in a missionary evangelist home. Uh my parents were Wesleyan Methodists were part of the holiness movement, which they only they only like two things, which are holiness and movement, as uh, my dad used to say. And uh and and then my dad found the Holy Spirit when I was just uh, four or five years old. Oh wow and I watched my parents, I mean I remember the transformation. It was that marked. So I can remember, you know, we're 40 Forty-five years ago, watching my dad go through a radical transformation, where healing, miracles, signs, and wonders started breaking out wow. in his meetings. I mean, power started just showing up. And so, uh, for for me, growing up, miracles became kind of the norm. Wow. And uh, and yet, when I started pastoring in church, it was uh, it was not the norm.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, so, the gospel for me was very intellectual. Uh, and then, uh, we had a, just some radical things started happening in the church. My dad actually came to the church and, um, and said to me, man, Bill, you guys are so excellent. You don't even need the Holy spirit and you can still do church, Oh wow! which made me, which made me really stop and reevaluate, you know, where I was at and what I was doing. We had a successful church. It was a, a larger church in Austin, it was fast growing. We had just built a new building. And, um, and then we had a, just a radical encounter with the Lord that took us into what I would say, the more of the gospel. And really, the whole shift over the last decade, for me, 10, 15 years, for me, has been a shift uh, into realizing that much of the body of Christ has grabbed a hold of the new covenant salvation, yeah. but they live an old covenant relationship. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so, in other words, they're they're just waiting any moment just for God just drop the hammer on us. And um, and this is what I like to tell people when I, when I go around and preach. teach and that is, you know has god dropped the hammer on us collectively as a nation or as the church in the last two thousand years since the resurrection well no he hasn't and so when you begin to realize that you start going okay wait a minute the terms of engagement between us and god has changed
0: wow um
2: and and so you know everything changed with jesus and i think that's the entire book of hebrews so you get to realize you know there's an incredible there's an incredible um Uh, grace that we live under, where now our engagement with the Lord comes from a place of a a heart of love. This new covenant relationship is a marriage. I mean, I'd say that the cross is the eternal I do of heaven over humanity in the grand wedding ceremony of the ages. And Mm. and the only thing required to complete the circle so we can step into the fullness of that new covenant is just say I do back, you know? So (laughs) all we're doing is saying yes to his, yes, agreeing with what he's He's been saying over us, you know, since really before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians 1 4. So, this is what I go and preach and teach and talk about. And it has been, and that's just in a super, super condensed nutshell, yeah. uh, kind of the journey that Tracy and I have been on. So, my wife Tracy, who's sitting here with oh, me today, oh. she, uh, she, um, this, is, this is Tracy.
1: Oh, oh, hi Tracy! Tracy. <laughs> I
0: Love it.
2: So she's oh. listening in on this, oh, and uh, so she and I've been married for thirty years. Wow! We've um, we've got uh, two kids, and uh, both grown. And, uh, we, we, uh, we actually met when we were five years old. Right. So she, of course was, my she, ne- yeah, she was my next door neighbor at the age of <laughs> Oh, you're serious. Says, oh my yeah. God, you're serious. <laughs> I, you know, people <laughs> say no, that, yeah, yeah, so like, I'm, just, I'm just 35. <laughs>
1: so we met when I was five. I was like, oh, hilarious. It's He's a, serious. <laughs>
2: it's, a, it's a strange story, but, uh, we actually wrote a book about it called The Four People You Marry. So, you know. Oh my God. Ages, sounds, between, I want yeah. to read that. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, oh, four people you marry are the, the, and it's a, it's a basically a grace-based marriage book. Yeah. Wow. So oh, my um, goodness. yeah, it's, it's like, it's like new covenant identity disguised as a marriage book. So wow. um, the four people, the four people you marry are the person you think they are person they think they are the person they are at this moment right now and the person they are becoming oh my gosh and, uh, sign, uh, sign us up <laughs> oh
0: my god i feel we're like we i feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yes i feel like the whole conversation <laughs> just got hijacked <laughs> by that one <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're like looking for like, curriculum I was can like, we pause the, can we pause the podcast know, sorry, and just I'm like sorry. start just all over so excited. <laughs> i was like I'm what sorry. is happening no but i mean you know but is that boy is that not Hit the nail on the head. Yeah, every wow. kid should read that before they date. I mean, seriously. I mean, every yeah, but then you're not the person yet that you,
1: you're not one of those three. So you haven't even figured out that you're. Yeah, you know but you I mean? could like forecast it. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get there somewhere. I'm like I'm letting my sixteen year old read it. I'm so sorry. Okay, we're back on back on. <laughs> I mean, Bill, you are like the male version of us, so I'm like, I feel like we're talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. This is like so fun, because honestly, I mean, we both had a revelation of grace about 13 issues. We yep. say 10, but it's actually just keeps growing That's as right. we keep doing ministry. We're like, yeah. wait, that was like 15 years uh-huh. ago now. But it's crazy, because that really it hasn't been that long, you know? What? Mm-hmm. Who were you following? I know you had an encounter with Jesus, but like somebody was teaching you. So I'm so curious. Like, who, yeah, who, became who your was influence? your forerunner?
2: You know, you know, I I ran into uh, a guy named Georgian Banoff. Oh mm-hmm. yes, Look. many many years ago, and Georgian and I, somewhat accidentally, a divine appointment you could say, became very close friends. And I traveled with Georgian for a number of years. Still work with him today. Just. Just did a taught a class uh, with him at the beginning of this uh, this week uh, or la- last week, and um, I mean we just have just an ongoing great relationship. And Georgia introduced us to the finished work of the cross wow. on a level that I had not. I mean, I had heard, but I hadn't actually seen. Yeah. And what I watched in in the, Life of, uh, or the Life of Gina's wife of the wife of his wife Winnie, and and their team mm-hmm. was an authenticity to how it looks to walk out. Like okay, like for example. Uh, you remember when, in Acts chapter 10, when Peter reluctantly gets drawn by God to go to the home of Cornelius to preach the gospel, Cornelius is a Gentile, the rest of his, you know, his house group is too. And Peter has just had the vision of the sheep coming down from heaven. And, uh, in the vision, the culmination of the vision is that, uh, don't call anything that I've cleansed unclean Well, right. Peter takes that revelation into that house meeting. And when he gets there, he says to them in Acts chapter 10, he goes, God has shown me that I am not to call any man unholy or unclean. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, if I can't look at anybody and see unholy and unclean, even in a world filled with people who are sinning, people who are committing evil acts, people who are hurting other people, but if I'm not allowed to call anybody unholy or unclean what's changing here it's it's changing my perspective the people around me yes what I watched in Georgian is I I watched that actually lived out I I saw Georgian engage with people that the church had discarded that's right thrown away and and whatnot and I, I watched him love these people back into life and that just got into my DNA yeah. And, uh, you know, same, same thing with, with Paul in Colossians 3, when he says there's no slaver, free Jew or Greek, there's no barbarians or Scythians." Christ is all and in all. Yeah. So you know, when we look at like Christ is all and in all, and and I can't call anybody unholy or unclean, the question people always want to ask is, is that true? Is that real? Because yeah. that's not my experience in this world. Yeah, right. And, it, and I would contend that it's the wrong question. I don't think the question is whether or not it's real or true. Let's deal with that. It's a separate question. The question is, am I willing to allow God to so, so flood my perspective with Mm. his compassion that whenever I look at somebody, all I can see is Christ in them before they even see him in themselves. Mm. Or can I look at somebody who is acting unholy and look at them and not see unholiness, but see clean and pure. If I can do that, then I'm aligning with what the cross did. So, you know, the, uh, Peter says, um, or, or excuse me, John says, when Jesus comes down to the Jordan River, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right. Okay, so so maybe what we're dealing with in this world when we look at we see sin and evil maybe we're not looking at a sin problem maybe we're looking at an identity issue right oh the reality is is people just don't know who they are yeah and so so that's that's one of the i guess core value messages we go and talk about is just to reveal the fullness of what christ has paid for in blood to to bring us into that transformative uh, a converting yeah. transformation experience, where, where he he makes us new. All yeah. things are new. old things pass away. All things become new. Yesterday, yesterday in the church service, I just simple simple message of the gospel: old things pass away, all things become new in Christ, and inviting people just to say yes to Jesus. Yeah, we had a dozen people across the congregation first time ever give their lives to Christ yesterday. I'm watching this happen every. Uh, wow. Every week, where yeah. people are just saying yes to Jesus, yeah, and uh, now he still he delivers heals. He's still in that business.
1: He sure so is. Oh gosh, I have so many questions. Okay. Go ahead,
0: Go <laughs> To tap each other to take turns. It's so like your turn. Your turn. Uh, You know, Bill. So I would love to know as you know, as God took you on this journey, and, and interestingly enough, I actually um, through a class that I had, Bill George and Banov was one of the teachers on this class, and in, and. In, he just was so full of joy and laughing like crazy. And I remember I was so offended by that. It made me so uncomfortable. His <laughs> level of joy, I, I didn't, I didn't, cause I didn't have it, you know? And when you come in into contact with that, it's like, you want it, you don't know yeah. how to get it. And, and you think it's something's wrong with you that you, do you know what I'm saying? So it's Sorry. interesting. Cause I, just the thought of like spending time with somebody who, because really joy is contagious and it, be, it began to break yeah. out in the room that I was in as that as, the, as his joy was literally contagious even though it was had been filmed years before and we're doing it on a video do you know what I mean so how has I'm, I think this, I
2: know the video you're talking about okay.
0: too. <laughs> So how has that contagious joy of the gospel the happy gospel the gospel that says God is joyful over you he rejoices over you how is that personally like at what what fell off of you? what how did that change the way you presented the message of Christ? like how, you know what I mean? like get down yeah. give me some give me some yeah, of yeah. this stuff how that changed you, well, you know,
2: so so you know <laughs> joy is we always say, like joy is a third of the kingdom the kingdom is righteousness peace joy and the Holy Ghost. Joy is in the Holy Ghost. it's in the kingdom. it's common things that we I think we say all in, in our circles. But I didn't really, I did not really know how that worked itself out until I saw a uh, joy in deliverance. And wow. this, is, this goes to your question on joy fair. Yeah. Uh, I like to teach on people. So we come and teach like spiritual warfare conference. We come and teach in spiritual warfare. And I said, no, I don't teach on spiritual warfare. I teach on spiritual joy.
1: <laughs> because <laughs> you have way
2: more fun and you get way more done. I get some, I got like a 12 hour teaching on spiritual joy. It's on my website, but. But um, it's uh, essentially you can sum the entire 12 hours up in three words. And that is demon state joy. Yes.
0: Wow. Uh, oh, my gosh. I feel like This is like my that form hole. of deliverance right here. I'm
1: like, <laughs> right. I'm not a deliverance girl. I can't really. It's like not in my DNA to like, I don't know. I'm, I'm so relating to what you're saying mm. because it's hard for me, you know. It's yeah. good.
2: Well, it's, it's the way that you keep, it's the way that you, uh, you're able to be light in the middle of darkness. Joy is how light shines out of the darkness. Wow. So if I, if I, if I keep the joy of the Lord mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So yes. if, I, if I keep aware of the presence of the Lord yes. and, and where does he live in me, you and I are the temple of the Holy spirit. Yes. So there, there should never be a point in time where I don't have access to an eternal well of joy, of fullness mm. and, and joy transcends happiness. So I can yes. be at a funeral in the mm-hmm. midst of grief, dealing with pain, loss, suffering, because suffering comes to everybody, Christian or non-Christian doesn't matter. Suffering eventually finds us all Yeah. without the joy of the Lord. I don't know how people deal. I don't know how people cope. So it's deeper than happiness. I can be experiencing grief, grief and weeping tears with people who are experiencing loss. And yet I am sustained internally by the internal structure of joy, mm. because at the end of the day, joy is your destiny. I mean, at the end of the day, you let joy win. So it becomes a divine exchange between tears versus joy. And joy becomes the thing that ultimately sustains and strengthens us. Mm. So if people need need strength because of the grief and loss or suffering they've gone through, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where does that joy come from? An awareness of the presence Presence. of joy. I think of um, Isaiah said it like this. He says, uh, um, well, let me back up. Remember when Jesus said, he says, I'll tell you the truth. You say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Don't doubt, and believe, may just be from the past. People talk about, okay, so what does that mean? I just declare over the mountain to get out of the way. And okay, yeah, and it's fine. But what Jesus is doing, he's building on teaching that's already been about moving mountains. And Isaiah bears this out where he says, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. So the results of that lifestyle is the mountains and the hills break forth before you so these wow. these two teachings kind of dovetail together wow so i feel like practical i'm getting smarter listening.
1: no this is amazing <laughs> the
2: practical application like this is i go out with joy so i let joy propel my day mm-hmm. so again back up in the presence of the lord is fullness of joy begin every moment every day with an awareness that there's no distance and separation between us and god john 14 20 and that day jesus says you know i am in the father you are in me and i am in you
1: yes so i was just meditating on that this morning yes totally
2: (laughs) that that awareness of union is what brings us to an awareness of the fact that the fullness of joy is available so now i i let the strength of that union set me at a place of reconciled rest Mm. and now let that joy propel your day right reconciled rest i love that phrase i don't know i just meditate on it constantly Mm. so then Go out with joy, propelled by the strength of joy, then be led forth with peace. Well, peace is a person. That's the person of Christ, right? So I know that I don't take a step propelled by joy that Jesus hasn't already taken yet. So he's gone before me. He's pushing obstacles out of the way. Yeah. He's He's equipping me to overcome whatever obstacles. He happened to be there. Um, he's, he's setting up my day with divine appointments every day. So I'm mm-hmm. propelled by joy, led forth with peace. Mm. What's the result of that? The mountains and the hills break forth before me. So when Jesus says, I tell you, whatever you say to this, when you say to this mountain, be removed, I don't think we make a declaration without being propelled by joy and knowing that peace has gone before us. Mm. When I make that declaration in that place, I know that the sound I'm releasing from my spirit is in harmony with the yeah. heartbeat of God. And in that place, no mountain can stand. Oh so that's gosh. been, that's kind of been our lifestyle there. It was a five minute teaching. Wow. Just no, I love it. Hell your well, day.
1: It's crazy. Cause <laughs> one of our widows, she has a local, we have local widows ministries across the country. And mm-hmm. one of our local widows in Boise, she posted tell your mountain about God. And that's yeah. basically what mm. you're saying. And I, I it just wow. struck me. I'm telling you, it was like literally a dagger in my heart. Wow. Cause it's always like, Tell the mountain to move. Right. But it's like, tell your mountain about your God. And I was like, Yes, Jesus. Oh my gosh, this is it. I mean, that is it. You know, what you're saying Mm. is like, I mean it's it's like that
2: kind of
0: meditate gold, you know, you gotta meditate on this.
2: So take it take it to another another level. We think of the mountain as something we want to curse or destroy or whatever, but the Bible says the mountains and the hills will break forth before you, there will be shouts of joy, for the mm. trees of the field will clap their hands. What what if what if the mountain we see as an adversary suddenly becomes your advocate? Yeah. The things that were circumstances that were against you now you become know, circumstances that are for you. Yeah. So this this isn't just basically destroying obstacles. This is actually beginning to realize that that you know, um prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, I thought he wanted to destroy my enemies, right?
1: Right.
2: I'm sitting there looking at an enemy, and I'm thinking, Jesus, why aren't you handing out weapons? Why are you cooking dinner? Well, maybe it's so that we can come to the table with that enemy so that you can become a living invitation for that enemy to discover he's actually a brother. Mm. So what God is really into is redemption. He's turning our adversaries into advocates. He's bringing... That's why when I see the church... Mm we don't oh. grab grace, then we will, we will turn into an us and them mentality. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. and, uh, and that when is. we have that, we have no sense of, of the fact that God wants to touch, redeem, restore, yeah. you know, the them. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I kind of like let that whole thing go out of the way and realize nobody can be my enemy without my permission. And Jesus told me how to deal with enemies. Love your enemies. Right? Oh, wow. So then what do I expect that he's going to do with his? I don't know why we think he's going to do something different with his than he commands us to do with ours. Yeah. Yet when Jesus shows grace for our enemies, because he loves everybody we hate, we get all mad about it unless we understand grace.
0: Wow. I literally, you know, I just, I'm seeing people do is I see them pausing this video. Yeah. And I see them going all the way back to the beginning and saying, I need to listen to this again. Oh, Oh, I need to listen to this again. Because
1: me, you know, I'm saying that, you
0: know, I, when I was first learning about the real gospel of grace, you know, 30, 25 years into being a Christian and and discovering that God wasn't mad at me and that he didn't turn his back on me when I sinned until I did enough to get the cloud removed. And, you know, it was just like this you know, just this season of just discovering that he was so much better than I had ever given him credit for. And, and I remember there was so many questions I had and, and the teacher would say to me, Karen, when you cook lasagna and all the lasagna is baked on the casserole dish, you don't go to clean the dish off and just immediately start scraping away. You let it soak. And, and so just for people who are hearing what Bill is saying right now, I just want you to know, I, you can feel that stirring in you. It's like, okay, gosh, he has something he's experiencing a joy I long for. Mm-hmm. I just speak rest over you even right mm-hmm. now, knowing mm-hmm. that, that it's, we all have the casserole baked, the hard baked on religion and, and
1: ideas yeah. about, you know, that we have formed around who, you know, we think God is. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were talking, Bill, I remember a sermon, I can it was probably eight years ago and. I can't even remember who was preaching. And they said, you know, I don't look for what's wrong with people now. I look for what's missing. And I think that is the flip of grace. It's like what is missing in their life, because you can look at them with such different eyes. And I I don't do it all the time because I still get triggered. But at the end of the day, so how do you, when you're ministering to someone, how do you look for what's missing? I'm just curious, like, is it, are you asking, I know you're asking Holy Spirit, but do you use a lot of prophetic words? Like what, what is kind of your ministry to a quote unquote enemy? You know, what does that look like so for I, you?
2: I approach it. I approach it with this perspective. And that is, um, you know, it's one thing to say to somebody, God loves you or Jesus loves you. It's another thing to say, Jesus knows you and he sees you. Mm. Because everybody's heard the message of the love of God and still don't understand fully what that means but what everybody's desiring i think most uh, most people are really want to be seen yes to be known yes. you know and um uh, <laughs> and, and god told uh, the prophet jeremiah he says i knew you before i formed you right so that means that you could be known before you even knew you could be known mm-hmm. and that's for everybody yeah. so so then the question is what did he know mm-hmm. because what he has always known about you or anybody else, that's the truth of who they are. That's right. So if you really want to boil this journey of life in Christ all down to one thing, if we have one assignment, it's simply to discover what God has always known and always believed about us and to agree with that. Right. Now, for me to agree with that, to discover who I am means only that I have to let go of who I am not. So that means I have to let God break off lies and labels. And I'm just talking about me. Yeah. Break off lies and labels that I believe about myself mm-hmm. so that I can truly see who he knows. That's right. And 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 so if I start thinking of myself that way, okay, God, you've known me before. I knew I could be known. What did you know? Mm-hmm. Please help me to believe what you believe. Yeah, um, My friend, dear friend of mine, Godfrey Bertle, has a, an incredible worship song I would encourage people to listen to. called, Do You Believe What I Believe About You? can find it on iTunes and Spotify. Godfrey what, goes what's the into, name? One more
1: time. What's the name?
2: His, his name is Godfrey Bertel, B I R T I L L. Okay, Godfrey. And the song Bertel. is do, do You Believe What I Believe About You? Mm. And Godfrey is invited to go into mental hospitals in, in the United Kingdom. He's British. And he goes into these mental hospitals, goes into dozens of them, and he sings this song over people who the doctors have given up hope on. And their minds get renewed. Mm-mm. So I went to a, I did a meeting in Manchester, England, and he points to a front row of all these young people, and he says, all these young people were in the mental hospital on so much medication, doctors had given up hope of them ever being, you know, out free and out, and yeah. you know they were just going to be institutionalized perpetually. He says, and I, I went in and saying, do you believe what I believe about you over them, and just and his number of songs in the Father's heart. And he said their minds were renewed, restored, and, and he says, here they are all on And, and you've never seen a happier group of people in your entire life. Wow. Um, so if I be, if I can begin to think that about me,
0: oh.
2: then the challenge becomes, you know, let's pick an enemy, somebody I don't like, somebody that I don't get along with. God knew them before he formed them. Yeah. So the question now I want, I want to know, and this is where you tap into the, that prophetic grace that I believe is available to all of us in, in the Holy Spirit and the new covenant. Is God, can you reveal to me what something you knew about them from yeah. before the foundation of the world? Yes. I had an interesting exercise I did a while back here, and it may be good for your listeners. Uh, I was reading Psalm 139 where David yeah. says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God, how great is the sum of them? If I were to count them, they would outnumber the sand. So living in Florida, Florida is just one gigantic sandbar. Mm-hmm. I went out in my backyard and I grabbed a pinch of sand. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go just take a pinch of sand. And so I took a pinch of sand, put it on my dining table, and I just started counting out the grains of sand mm-hmm. in one pinch. Wow. At about 200, I realized I hadn't even made a dent in this pinch of sand, and I got kind of bored. So I stopped, and I felt the Lord say to me, Bill, if you could believe mm-hmm. 10 grains of sand worth what I believe about you, the precious thoughts I have over mm-hmm. you, forget the whole, forget the, the pinch of sand in front of you, mm-hmm. forget the state of Florida, forget save in the Sahara desert, if you could just believe 10 yes. grains of sand, so let me break 10 lies off your life and replace them with 10 grains of sand worth of what I believe about yeah. you, the precious thoughts I have towards you that I've always known about you. It would change the way you see yourself and everybody else.
1: Yeah.
2: And, uh, and so that's, that was sort of a, kind of a pivotal moment for me to, to, to start looking at people differently. Wow. And, uh, and so now when I sit down with somebody, I go, God, what did you, what did you believe about this person? What did you know about this person? And strangely enough, a compassion. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're if you're willing to pray this prayer about somebody, God is more than willing to answer it than we are to pray it. Yeah. So God will flood you. He'll touch your heart with yeah. a, a flame of compassion for that person. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is is you'll actually be challenged to start to believe what God believes about them. You'll get words of knowledge about what God believes about them, and then. You'll get to choose the language of how you want to present to mm. them what God has always believed about them. Mm. They may not believe you, but if they do, everything changes.
1: We so hope that you're enjoying this conversation. We are so grateful that you listen to the There's More podcast that we wanted to give you a gift. We wanted to share some of the things that we've learned with you, so Karen, tell them how to do that. Yeah, we've got a 14-day kind of a mini session
0: on spiritual warfare, kind yeah. of one of those topics that people I think have a lot of mystery around. Mm-hmm. They're about seven-minute teachings with a prayer at the end of each. They're really just designed to equip and empower you because we don't have a problem; we have an enemy. Yes, and so it's just
1: going to equip you to arise victorious. Yeah, everything you need will be in the show notes. Now, enjoy the rest of this conversation. I had this exact thing happen. So last week I had this call with super random, had nothing to do with Jesus. I mean, it was just a call about something else and I just got flooded. I wasn't even asking that question, but it was just like the, I told Karen, it was like Mm. it was out of body experience where I just started asking questions that I don't normally ask. This was a Mm. kind of a secular, you know, call. It wasn't anything about Jesus. And anyway, Ended up, he was like, "Can you call my wife?" Like, ended up praying, doing inner healing. Mm. I mean, it was like, "What is mm. happening?" And I have no, I had no plan for that. But mm. you know, and I always say, you have to leave margin. And this is my Achilles' heel: you have to leave yes. margin in your life to ask the question, mm. yeah. Bill. Because yeah. I mean, honestly, we run at such a breakneck. I need to do this, and I got to get this done. But like, when there's margin in your life to ask. Holy spirit. How is this person known? I mean, to me, like, I just want to, I want to be slower. Right. Like I
0: want to live slower. I just think even just the tension of there's so many data inputs right now. And, and I am like, because I'm, you know, learner and all that Mm is kind of in my nature. I, I'm constantly getting all the data inputs, but what happens is I'm getting your data input. I'm getting Rachel's ideas and mm-hmm. books and all that, but I'm not stopping and listening to God, because I've I've spent all my time getting data inputs from Instagram and Facebook and podcasts and da 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 How do you kind of ma- manage that balance, especially being a teacher? So you're preparing a lot. How do you how do how do you kind of manage? What does a day look like for you? To spend in the presence of the Lord.
2: Uh, I, I have a phrase that goes to my mind. I like to say probably 600 times a day, and I think it's true. And it's just the phrase, no distance, no separation. No yes.
1: distance, no separation.
2: No distance, no separation. And and because of that, and it, because it's now so ingrained in me, mm-hmm. it's not just something I believe in. No, it's something that, that's become kind of a DNA point. So yeah. it's like, it's like life. And, and what it ends up doing is it like starts starts and sparks an eternal conversation with God that never ends. Mm-hmm. So, for example, doesn't mean that I, I doesn't mean that I don't um, listen to music, go to movies, go out to eat with friends and hang out, and have a good time, right. go to the beach, whatever. But in the middle of everything that I do, the engagement with God is is always front and center. So, for example, if I go in, like if I'm sitting down, you know, with Tracy in the evenings, and we turn on the TV. I don't want to just switch my brain off. I, I get into a story. We, we live in a story. And Jesus taught everything he taught in parables. Mark says without a parable we didn't teach. So Jesus loves stories and the shortest distance between the head and the heart is a story. Yeah. And so if I sit down, you know, to watch TV to basically have some mindless entertainment moments, does does my interaction with God shut off? Well, if I consider there to be distance and separation, the only thing I'm gonna get out of that that story is what the um, the author or the writer intended. But if I realize my engagement with God doesn't shut off, Mm. and this happens almost all the time Mm -hmm. in the middle of whatever story I happen to be listening to or hearing or whatever, God goes, hey, I want to teach you something right now. I'm going to use the line that you just heard or the song that you just heard or the whatever. I'm just like, I mean, he he teaches things about, about light, about darkness, about the kingdom of God, about the. Uh, uh, about the, the grace of god about forgiveness about and i just am constantly like fielding revelation everything becomes a sermon yeah <laughs> uh, or has the potential to become a sermon so let me say it like that i i've also discovered that i mean your life is a secret place with god yeah so you can you can get alone with god you can you know be in the middle of a group of people and you can still be in that secret place and the secret place is wherever you let god speak to you so uh, wherever you're in listening mode to, to a spirit. And some people have to get quiet, put the right music on and no distractions or whatever. When you realize no distance, just no separation is your, is your, is your Starting life. Point. then yeah. yeah. Then wherever you're listening everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the crazy part is not everything God shares with me in the secret place is meant for public consumption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I, I became very well aware that. If he, if I want him to entrust me with the secrets of his heart,
1: uh-huh.
2: I've got to be willing to keep those close. You know, yeah. like Mary heard you know, all these, held all these things, pondered them in her heart. And when it, I, I, you realize that not everything God shares with you in the secret place is meant to be, you know, put out on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I, I don't Instagram every revelation I get. Yeah. People say, how, how much do you hold tightly? Probably about 90%, mm-hmm. 90, 95%. I feel like I only release about five to ten percent of what the uh shares with me in the secret place. It's not that the other stuff isn't good, it's just it's very personal to me. Yeah. And uh, and and so much like conversations with your spouse, you just you just kind of go, okay, I'm I'm guarding that conversation. Mm-hmm. And only certain parts of this conversation are really for a corporate audience. And so, you know, when when somebody realizes they can entrust you with the secrets of their heart, they give you more. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the same thing with God. So um, it is the same thing with God, I, I realize. But, you know, the secret place is everywhere you're willing to be a listener. Yeah.
1: So good. So. What's your rhythm like, Bill? I would love to know, like, your daily rhythm. Like, do you have, like, a, a certain, like, do you wake up early? I mean, I just, I love, like, studying people's rhythms. I think it's, I find it so fascinating.
2: I have an, I have an eternal quest to sleep in. I haven't figured out how to do it yet, though. <laughs> So I would I, I mean, like I really, you I, yes, I, I knew I, I liked you. I'm so jealous of people who can sleep in. I can't. Me too. I, I just I Holy. can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get up early in the morning, you know, I I make coffee. Um I have a lot of bibles that are written in in every margin with so many notes. Uh, I have uh, bibles that belong to my dad that have tons of notes on them. So my sweet. library is filled with thousands of books. Um and I I I you know I'll I don't know. I just I, I always start the day with the scriptures. It's not religious ritual for me. It's yeah. just it's sort of life. Yeah, it's, it's life giving, and so um, I just feel like that's just a super important way for me to start the day. It seems like my day goes great if I let that be the launching pad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, and, and it may be one one scripture, and it may be a scripture I've read a thousand times before, yeah. but I I let the word of God be kind of the launching pad for the day. Yeah interestingly enough i've discovered that whatever i read uh in the morning uh, and i'd study in the evening too but it, whatever i read in the morning will weave itself into a conversation mm-hmm. sometime in the mm-hmm. day almost 100 percent of the time
1: yeah totally
2: i i don't know why it works that way but it's you know just like you said you know oh i was just studying that today or just studying that this morning exactly that's yeah. just the way he works yeah, yeah so that's, great. that's that's my that's my rhythm and then tracy and i um, because we travel so 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 much um, the ministry is our life I, I have um, a personal we have a personal rhythm uh, of life that I would call uh, wineskin renewal and uh, this is this is actually a revelation that a dear friend of mine a pastor of a church uh, called the resting place uh, down in Tampa his name is Caleb Hires. And he's put a manuscript together about this. And I don't think he's released it yet, but he needs to because it's so beautiful. Oh. But um, the wineskin renewal for me is a three-part process. Uh, Jesus talked about nobody puts new wine in old yep. wineskins or a burst, right? stripe. Yep. But he says he put new wine in new wineskins. Yeah. Well, that's the way the English translations typically word it. But the two words for new are different. First word is new by age. The second one actually means refreshed or renewed. So the process of of renewing a wine skin so that it can constantly be prepared for an outpouring is really, really huge to me. So first stage is you put the wine in the wine skin and let it ferment. It takes time, seasons in there. Once the wine skin is stretched, you pour it out. But then the second stage is you pour water into the wine skin to rinse out the residue of what was just fermented in that skin. So the washing of the water of the word, I always return back to the scriptures to come back to that washing of the water because through every move of God has flesh, has soulishness yeah. with it, all that stuff. Yeah. So the washing of the water of the word rinses out the residue of the last move, right? So yeah. otherwise you end up getting jaded and cynical, which yeah. is why you see a lot of people who've healed the sick and done amazing things for God becoming jaded and cynical. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And burn out. So the
2: washing out, right. of the water, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so the washing of the water of the word rinses out the residue of the last mm-hmm. move, but then to prepare for a whole other fermentation process of fresh, fresh revelation, is soak in oil you put oil in that wine skin or on that wine skin and just rub it in and so once it's pliable and returns to form then you can go through the whole fermentation process again to me though the entire thing of the outpouring of new of the outpouring of wine the uh in incoming of the word in filling of the word and the pouring over the oil, it's all revival. Yes. But, but here's where people trip up. And that is only two thirds or one third of the process is actually seen. Right. Two thirds happens when nobody's watching. Right. So it's private personal communion with God is yeah. the washing of the water of the word and the oil of the secret place. Yeah. Those two things, I think it's, those two things are just as much revival as the outpouring where everybody gets black, blasted with wax and blissed and all that stuff. <laughs> they're, they're just as much revival as that yeah. without those things, you don't have the outpouring.
1: That's right. Oh, totally. So,
2: um, yeah so that's thank you for my my own personal
0: word
1: oh my gosh i'm (laughs) like what is happening this is well i mean i've i never heard that how does that relate to you and tracy you said this is like what does that look like for y'all because you were you were talking about you and tracy have a rhythm what would what was that is that related
2: to the wine skin yeah yeah we um we make I Mean we make kind of Bible study a sort of a daily thing, you know. Mm-hmm. She has her own study, I have my own study, and then we share with each other what we're hearing and then mm-hmm. our studies together, and it kind of works that way. That's become kind of a lifelong river ever since Bible school. Uh, then I would say the soaking of the oil that makes us pliable again for, for both of us that also includes really having a lot of fun together. Mm-hmm. So we spend we spend we spend a lot of time like looking for fun things to do when oh, we're on the road. Sweet.
0: Wow. I
2: mean, just enjoying rest, you know, wow. Jesus went alone to, you know, walk on the sea, take a hike up into the mountain, yeah. you know, whatever. So if he did it, you know, how much more you know, do we need to And so, uh, that's a great word. So yeah. we, we prioritize having a lot of fun. We live down in Orlando. There's tons of things to yeah. do. Yeah. So when we have some free time, wow. um, we go and, we laughed a lot. We, oh, yeah. we, you know, people yeah. that hang out with us go. We thought it was just going to be like all prayer, Bible study, and holy <laughs>
1: contemplation. I'm and
2: I'm like, so we didn't think we were going to go to a water park or a theme park uh, or, a, or, or, or. <laughs> no wonder know, our friend Brent likes to whatever. hang
1: out. <laughs> that- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's
2: why. That's why Brit. That's why Mike and Britton and Tracy and I get along so well, is, is because we enjoy having fun together. Oh, yeah, that's I awesome. I think I think fun is holy. I think yeah. having having fun and laughing together and building bonding experiences yeah. together is just as holy as as anything else. We well,
0: do. and I think there's so. no more fun than going to a wedding. And what's the first thing that Jesus did was <laughs> Went to the wedding and turned a bunch of water into wine. I mean, you yeah. know, he was having it. I mean, we can you know think of all the holy parable pieces oh, yeah. of that. But the, the bottom line is he was having a good time and there was a dance and, yeah. you know, Hey, Bill, I'd love to spend just the the last few minutes as we close um, just touching for a moment on reckless grace, because it's one of those books yeah. that um, for one, I think the putting those two words, reckless and grace together feels a little <laughs> reckless. You know, it's like, it's such almost like an oxymoron. It's like, Oh, I, should we say those two things together? You know, yeah. and yet it's beautiful the way, um, God has highlighted and I don't want to give it away, but this, this, a particular scripture in there that you spend an entire book because yeah. you think it's worth talking about. And so can you yeah. touch on that?
2: Yeah. Many years ago, the Lord drew my attention to John, uh, uh excuse me, um, uh, John 2023. 20, and, uh, in John 20, Jesus is risen, resurrected from the dead, risen from the dead. And he is, um. Uh, Appearing to the disciples. And in that moment, he does something he only ever does twice in the Bible. Or God breathes on man. Once in Genesis and once here, right after the resurrection. He breathes on the disciples. He releases peace over them. Breathes on them. Says, Re- receive the Holy Spirit. As the father sent me, I send you. Commissions us with the same commission. Then he says to, to, um, uh, to them, whoever sins. And this is verse 23. This is the one that gripped me. Whoever sins, you forgive. They are forgiven. Whoever sins, you retain. They are retained. I used to just bypass that verse because it just it didn't make any sense. That seemed like way too much responsibility, and <laughs> and a little and scary, like, Lord,
0: like yeah. Ooh, yeah, or mean right. or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. it's kind of so up
2: to I, me. I, I, yeah, you know, and here's the thing: this is what I tell people. We are never the source of grace. He's the source, but we are the temple for His Holy Spirit, which yeah. makes us the resource for this for the grace. Mm. So, That's this great. was the challenge I felt like the Lord said to me was. Uh, I just want you to pretend that this is true. And how would it change your life, Bill, if you believe the grace you gave away actually mattered? Well, it really started causing me to realize that there were some ungodly reasons why I would withhold grace from anybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, whenever
2: I'm tempted to withhold grace from somebody, I suddenly realize something in myself that God needs to deal with. Like, I need to let him deal with Here's a lie that I believe needs to be broken off. Yeah. Either about me or about somebody else. Yeah. So, uh, so I started really taking, you know, uh, taking responsibility to speak, release and declare the grace of God over people. And I started watching bodies be healed, uh, lives be transformed. People come into the knowledge of Jesus, uh, and and walk away going, Jesus saved me, not because of anything I did.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. They just came to an awareness of the grace of God, let it flood them, transform them, change them. Boom. Suddenly they're, they're they're just in love with jesus Mm -hmm. why because because he didn't threaten them it wasn't an issue of me coming up and, and threatening threatening them with the judgment of god like you know serve him or else it was a it was a simple invitation to walk in the freedom of the authenticity of our identity and uh and so reckless grace really is i guess 180 pages of let's just pretend like the grace you give away actually matters and mm-hmm. how would it change your life if you believed that it did yeah. mm-hmm. and um and so to write the book i just i gave you know brit a couple dozen hours of teaching on grace that i had done over the years and she she took it and just beautifully took mm. uh, took my words put it into a book but the crazy thing about the book and this is really i wanted it to be an, an empowering thing is uh she had grabbed a hold of the message and applied it to her own life. Mm. And it brought healing to her body, healing to her marriage and Mm -hmm. and just healing into her life, freedom into her life. And I said, look, you're like a living illustration of the fruit of this message. So I said, how would you word this in your language? Like, why don't you rewrite some of these parts to more reflect you? And so she did. And, and the crazy part is, is, it's part me and part Brit and you can't really figure out where one begins. And, yeah, the other ends. Right. and, uh, and that was on purpose. That was, that was so that it would appeal to a wide audience. Yes. And we, we made the book super simple. It's not written for the purpose of impressing people. It's written for the purpose of helping people. Yeah. So we wanted somebody who's, you know, just got a few minutes and kids running around and maybe they dropped out of high school or whatever. And they're just like, I, you know, Books on Christian living, I just they're just too heady. I can't wrap yeah. my mind around. We wanted them to be able to pick it up, read one paragraph, and put the book down and meditate on that all day long. Mm-hmm. And that's so the, so the book was written very very simple, very easy to read. Mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't want to make it complicated, and mm-hmm. because grace isn't complicated, it's profound, but it's yeah. not complicated.
1: Yeah. Well, and we always say the older we get, <clears throat> the more simple the gospel should become. Yeah absolutely you know and if it's becoming more complicated you might be doing something yeah, wrong yeah yeah absolutely so bill what mm. is we always close what's the message in your mouth obviously you have a lot of messages because you give them all the time but like personally and just you know even today i mean what what's the message for the for, for the moment for you
2: yeah wow well here's, here's the message i like to just say every time I, every time i preach you were one with God in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and He did that. Yeah. That's the fruit of the new covenant. And I believe we will spend eternity discovering what the new covenant actually accomplished. Yeah. And ultimately, I think it will reveal to us that God is better than we think. Yep. And we can't imagine him better than he is. Yeah. So that's that's really it. Is just it I I you know, ask God, give me a give me an offensive identity statement that will just kind of shock people jolt people into wondering is that true and that's right. it it's first corinthians one thirty. by his doing you that's are right. in christ jesus <laughs> and then it talks about what he became for us and there's mm-hmm. four key things it's worth looking up but the phrase is you are one with god in christ by the power of the holy spirit and he did that that's mm-hmm. right and and uh and if you if you can't wrap your mind around it, ask god to give you a revelation of the new covenant yeah, and, and what has changed from the old covenant to the new covenant and mm-hmm. and also a revelation that the new covenant's not going away. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like God is throwing it away and getting ready to drop the hammer of judgment on us. So when we hear, you know, modern prophets today prophesying, coming impending doom, gloom and judgment, I'm going, you understand God would have to completely flush the new covenant in order. To do what you're saying is about to do, and wow. and it just demonstrates the reality that the old covenant is so ingrained in us yes. that that we still need to, to to get a fresh revelation of what he accomplished. In right. The new. Yeah.
1: So. Oh wow. So tell us the course on revelation. Tell me the name of it because. I mean, I think people probably have their interest piqued because, I mean, it's all you hear. I mean, honestly, and we don't have time to get into it, but Uh what is the course that they could take? Or is it a book?
2: On on the book of Revelation? Revelation. On Revelation,
1: your Revelation.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. If you go to uh, com, there is a 10-hour New Covenant teaching on the book of Revelation called uh, Restoring Revelation, or Revelation Restored, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see them. I think I'm going to do it.
1: Oh, me too. I'm just like, I I need, I, you know, I think that's the thing, Bill, is you have to be so solid in what you know about the new covenant to fight off Mm. the old covenant when it comes to revolution. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you have to, and not that I'm like trying to fight, but it's like, I need to fight it for my own spirit because it's better than we think it is. Yeah,
2: it sure is.
1: Uh, yeah. So good. Well, thank Bill, you guys
2: so much. This oh oh God, we this could talk all day. A dream, <laughs> yeah but
1: he's
0: got to pray for people. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say, if you yeah, wouldn't mind, just because uh, I know that a lot of people are thinking to themselves, I'm not. I'm not sure if I've. I'm. I'm not experiencing what he's talking about. Oh. I want this. I don't know how. Can mm. you just pray into that for people? Absolutely.
2: Mm. Thank, thank you, Jesus, Lord. for the presence of the Holy Spirit that's with every single person that's watching this right now. God, I just speak grace, grace, grace yeah. over every listener, every watcher today. Grace to break off every lie they've ever believed about themselves and everybody else. A grace to see clearly through prophetic eyes, new covenant eyes, what you have always known about us. Mm. Grace, grace, grace to you today. A grace that brings healing to your body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. I just declare over you today. That you're one with God in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, that he did that. I declare of you today that reconcile the rest is your inheritance. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Amen.
0: Amen. Gosh, thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. We just appreciate what you are doing for the body of Christ and for, I mean, for humanity, not just the body of Christ, what you're doing for the world, really.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: It is beautiful. So we just bless you, Bill. Thank Thanks you. for joining us.
2: God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thank you.
0: Well, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. We just wanted to let you know about some additional resources. If you are interested in learning about Rachel and I's Bible study, just go to fathershousestudy.com. It's an amazing eight-week encounter with, with just the Father's love. We've got Zoom groups are going to be starting this fall. We'd love for you to be a part of. In addition, we have an opportunity for you to have a free resource from us. If you go to bestillministries.net and sign up, you will receive a 15 day kind of a mini masterclass on spiritual warfare that has been done by myself and Lindsay, a friend of ours that is our head of our prayer team. So hope you'll join us. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Thanks a bunch.